0: Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 111. I am your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have back with us the acclaimed and celebrated writer of comics and fiction prose, Stephanie nita cerrillos
1: thank you barney
0: stephanie it's so great
1: to have you back i'm very excited to be back
0: yeah i mean we were checking you know, and you've been an amazing you've been an amazing advocate and supporter of story comic my what you like say hey you gotta you hear somebody else i honestly think every 10 about 10 or so guests i've interviewed you've you said you need a you need to talk to this person. So, I have more.
1: <laughs> I love sharing the love. So, yeah. My pleasure. So, so many great artists out there and creators. And you're such a great host. Uh, as I said, great energy, so positive. So, you got to come on Story Comic.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and you got, and, and, and you said, you've got lots of stuff. So, one of the things that just happened is, um, Last year, we were talking about the Kickstarter for a specula- speculative fiction for for Dreamers. And that just was – that's full-on published uh, September 8th, 9th? Yeah. Is that what it was? Uh, September 8th,
1: yes. Okay. All right. Published and, September
0: 8th. Mm-hmm. And that's, so now that's available – uh, wide release you people can just uh yeah ask for it at their local library according to your yeah business. well yeah.
1: yeah you know i did a little hunt so you can go to my website and <laughs> if, if there's a digital imprint of you of you bought uh carrying that book i list you as a bookstore and i give you a little shout out as well as the libraries throughout the country mm-hmm. um so i think what's important to remember with this book is that we did the kickstarter to to pay the creators or the editors did the Kickstarter to pay the creators. It was right. already going to be published with Ohio State uh, University Press, um, but a Kickstarter was always part of its model. And this is where you can have Matt Beck on the show and he could talk more about that. Um, so it was wonderful that we reached the goal that we could actually as create as writers and illustrators get paid for the stories, but also as a way of doing pre-orders and, 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 and getting the name out there. Um, so yeah, available. I'm so excited for New York city besides my local pharmacy, Ivan's pharmacy, uh, stocking it and selling out. And I had to replenish him. Um, (laughs) forbidden planet sells it. And I actually, I took my family. We're like going to forbidden planet tomorrow. I'm getting a picture. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. To comic book store, carrying my prose and not strand next door. We love you strand. You can still order it, (laughs) but I took a lot of pride that, um, um, That Forbidden Planet carries it as well. And then the New York Public Library too ordered 15 copies on top of the many local indie bookstores um, and online retailers.
0: That's amazing. And it's it's out already, is there, and this is kind not necessarily but kind of a sequel to Latinx rising. Right.
1: right. Right. Again, not to speak to for, for the editors, but it is a follow up uh, right. to the Latinx Rising that was also republished um, by Ohio State. I think it was Wings Press was the first publisher. Don't quote me. Um, and then it was republished with a new cover by Ohio State. And that one was adult um, mm-hmm. science fiction um, and fantasy stories but by a lot of acclaimed and well-known authors. And this one is young adult speculative fiction. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think how Matt um, and team, uh, 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 Matt Goodwin, um, I'm totally blanking and I should not, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Sarah Rafael Garcia um, and Alex Hernandez, um, uh, those were the three editors with the preface from um, Professor Latinx, uh, Frederick uh, Luis Aldama. how they said it is the speculative fiction of dreamers is like a large extended family of writers. And, and, um, but yeah, the first young adult Latinx, um, speculative fiction anthology. And for those that aren't familiar with the term Latinx, it's a more gender inclusive term of Latino or Latina. Mm-hmm. Um, and people should use the term that they feel most comfortable with, um, Latino, Latina, Latinx, latine um, it's a big discussion. Not everyone embraces that uh, for their own reasons. And sometimes it's just this concept of, you know, rejecting Latinidad, that it erases black and indigenous identities. It's a very complex um, uh, 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 a label, but one that's used in love and in solidarity with our commonalities.
0: Right. Right. And it's, it's almost also like it's like a like a, a gender neutral term as well yes right Right,
1: exactly instead of the masculine latino um i think um how latin x rising first published was the uh latin with the uh the at sign right as an o and an a and then our conversations continued as a society and um recognize that maybe an x or some people use an e to be more close to the spanish language because then it becomes discussions on you know are we modifying language? Oh, but language is something that's meant to evolve. So some people right. use the E and I'm not right. a scholar on that, but that's my understanding of, <laughs> of these complex terms. But sometimes even for me, when I first saw the term, I was in was social media right. and I, I saw an Asian was looking for Latinx work. And I was like, what, what is that? And I had to, my, I had to look it up and understand um, its origins.
0: Right. Uh, comical food says Stephanie.
1: <gasps> <Christian>, hi. Hey, <laughs> oh, okay got to have Christian on he is, has um uh um an exciting website launching soon so really for later yes and comics and yep that's your next one see I got you got you someone ready there you go
0: yeah yeah send me a <laughs> message yeah well uh yeah we'll we'll get you on the show that sounds awesome
1: <laughs> <laughs> see pay attention come talk to us you never know
0: Good yeah night. I know great yeah. comics and you got, and so you know, with that there. And now, if the Publishers Weekly uh, had uh, singled out the uh, the speculative fiction for dreamers as well.
1: Yeah, we got um, a starred review, um, which again I had to look up. So, like, what does that mean? But it's a very honorable um, uh, review in Publishers Weekly, and I was I was very fortunate um, that my story actually also got singled out. Um, I don't have the exact wording in here, but 30, uh, 38 masterful stories as in Gene by Stephanie. Well, oh, they forgot my first name, Nina Pizzarellos. That's okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um uh, and they singled out a few other stories, but, um, so that was a very big honor. Um, Jean has had a very long road, um, a very hard road. Right. Um, so for the anthology to get a starred review and then on top of it, um, to be singled out in that way, um, was very meaningful. Right. Um, and then but th- and then but then we kept getting so many other great reviews we had positive review from forward reviews um which it, uh, they review in indie um publishers um readers digest um uh, named us uh, uh one of 20 latinx books you need to read right now or something like that book riot or, or sorry buzzfeed book riot was for mermaids monthly um and yeah, the lists and then book lists, which is the library association. So, yeah, we just kept getting a lot of great reviews, which is so exciting. And then also um, LeVar Burton, where's my notes here? <laughs> LeVar Burton actually selected uh, Lisa and Bradley's story, Tia Abuela's Face 10 Ways. And you can actually listen to it live. Um, excuse me. You can listen to him read the story. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Okay. So, um and I'll also mention, you can also listen to Carlo Yergo uh, um, Rodriguez's story. Um, sorry, sorry, Carlo, for doing that. How Juan Bobo got to Los Nueva Yorkers. Uh, He also reads from his story on um, pod, uh, Podside Picnic. So there's two, you can get two free samples um, um, and listen to these wonderful stories. It's just, it's, it's, it's such a great anthology. Prose, there's uh, comics. It's uh, there's mostly short stories, but there are some comics. I think there's like three. Yeah. Um, there's some plays and some flash fiction.
0: Wow, that's exciting stuff. I mean, it's I think it's it's, it's so ha- it's it's so exciting to see something that you've been working on like last year. Uh, now, this was <laughs> a long before that, and I guess. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but something that we started marketing and kickstarted last year.
0: Right.
1: It's a saga before that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's all publishing, right? But it, it does take time.
0: Right. And you have, and also, you know, with that book coming out, but you've also been working on a, you also had a, a comic, what's it called? 51 Solstice.
1: Yeah, 51 Solstice. Um, so that was published. Um, so that's a comic that I did with illustrator Rafael Romeo Magat, um, mm-hmm. who's uh, Philippines-based. And um, we actually virtually met at Diversity DiversityCon. Um, such a charming uh, fellow. Uh, just cold emailed me after they have these sort of bl- blind, I don't know what you call that, you know, blind dating for, yeah. <laughs> for like... <laughs> writers and illustrators you just meet people right but you don't know who's gonna come up in your feed and our connection got lost but he was so nice he followed up and said our connections lost he introduced himself i'd love to work with you i was very flattered (laughs) um so it it worked out for this comic 51 solstice it was published in um women in comics magazine their debut issue um dear summer um and the call for submissions was you know basically what does summer mean to you and, you know, I really can't read calls for submissions because I just immediately a story just downloads in my head. <laughs> and that's, you know, it's so like I really have stopped reading calls for submissions for this reason, because then I stopped working on my larger projects. Um, but in this case, I kind of wanted to flex my prose muscles because I had been working on comics for a bit. But then I saw that the word count the limit was 500 words or something that a novelist just faints when she reads. So I said, let me try, let me try a three pager. And even that was a challenge because my um, longest published comic, um, actually that's not true. DR163 is is many episodes, but you know, I'm used to like the six pager or the five pager. So it was like Mm. a a challenge. Um, And, you know, I, I found a way to combine my, What does summer mean to me as a New Yorker, whether it's um, looking at sunsets in the Hudson, whether it's cramming in the subway and um, whether it's the melting tar, you know, this nostalgia and the grossness. and also combine the idea of, of enjoying things, but not really able to enjoy them. Cause you can't right. swim in the Hudson river. It might look pretty, but it's a super fun sight. Disgusting. <laughs> right. Um, we're, <laughs> we're quarantined, you know, the whole idea of being quarantined and we can't travel. So what do we have? We have fantasy um, and also my years of being pregnant and being on home rest. And not being able to really go and do all those things. So how do I do that in three pages? I just put it in outer space. (laughs) (laughs) And the role of fantasy. So everything takes place on a space station. But um, I I fed Raphael images of New York City summers. And um, definitely you need to have him uh, on the show. Um, He actually won. Darn, I was supposed to look this up. Um, He, was, he actually won the Warner Brothers, some of the Harley Quinn poster contest for Warner Brothers. I'm sorry, Raphael, I don't think you're on because there's a big time difference in the Philippines. But um, i he, he does amazing work. He does a lot of space stuff, uh, which worked out for this. And he just really knocked it out of the park. And I'll be quiet so you can actually ask me a question because I can go on about how amazing it was to work with him and the beautiful art that he did.
0: So, and that book is uh, that that's available now on Comicsology, correct? Correct. That, okay.
1: Comixology. You can go to Global um, Comics. Um, you can actually also um, order it directly from their website, uh, Women in Comics, as a PDF. Um, okay. They're a great group. What I really love too about this issue, it has besides the wonderful comics of summertime, I really loved um uh, Dr Mitchell uh, the editor's uh, uh, letter to the editor and it was so heartfelt it was so near New York love um, and it included motherhood and what being a foster mother, is to her and 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 what the quarantine has done with the rise of abuse cases in children and right. i mean it's just part of the reason why i love being part of this group that includes issues like that not hiding motherhood that's part of who we are we're comic creators but we also um can can be not always but um some of us are and we embrace that so it, it really meant a lot to see that in a in a comic anthology that kind of letter and you know not hiding it
0: how do you feel? Because a lot of your pros there's definitely a, a, a sense of science fiction about some of the stuff that you put out. Is do you feel it's easier to tell something, as you said, complicated through um, that lens or or is it you feel as though it's it 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 adds to it or takes away from from the message that you're writing about?
1: You know, it's interesting because it wasn't until um... It wasn't until gene and the wormholes and then andromeda with seth martell and then later 51 solstice i was never able to write or imagine science fiction like i started years you know years ago in my 20s oh if i'm gonna do this writing thing i tried to write science fiction and it it just didn't work i i it you know so what i did was write literary fiction Mm. uh literary fiction that includes a lot of family history as a seed and then fictionalizing it. Right. But I'm a big sci-fi nerd um, or I have a big imagination or something. Right. (laughs) Um, And I think I was, I'm just able to find a bridge by, or maybe over the years of writing characters that love sci-fi inhabit that comics, actually then gave me permission or, or maybe it was just the years of, 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 having practice writing, but it wasn't until comics that I was finally able to do something science fiction. Right. And when I saw the women in comics um, call for submissions and I couldn't do the prose and I did the comic, I still did the prose after. And it's, it's a story. I it's, it's just 3000 words. Um, You know, I'm still picking at it, but I'm very proud of it because I, I really think it took me 15 years to actually get in that mindset. So mm. it's 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 hard to answer that because I, it's, I guess I would say it was harder. I find literary fiction much easier. Um, also, there's so much world building, I feel, that you have to, you know, dive into uh, in science fiction. I mean, we could say the same for historical fiction, but it's just a different type of creative sphere. Um, so I am at this, like, different, you know this crossroads now where i'm kind of entered the science fiction realm or i will say and this is where gene too has helped out and the work with editors like uh, matt and just reading his book which um came out to the latinx files matt goodwin race migration and space aliens <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah you know what hey you know what you should book him for that book you know that'd be good too
0: yeah um, i get back on yeah yeah
1: yeah he just said uh, just released um reading that and understanding and, and, and even in the query process I went through that, what's normal to me and, and you know my New Rican side of my family life is not normal to you. <laughs> so I guess I live a speculative life, right? You know, I have a grandmother that did um, Misas. Uh, she practiced espiritismo, seances. She saw dead people. That's normal. The fact that my aunt's ex-husband's haunting her that's normal right like i don't see that (laughs) but that's normal to them and it wasn't until i started reading academic books about um how you know like like matt's to understand that well this is why we might find a home in sci-fi because we're otherwise So it's an interesting time for my writing um, because my comics are now um, nurturing, I think, my prose and helping me do things that I wasn't able to do before.
0: Right. And do you is there is there something specific about comics that allows that kind of like sparks that sci-fi as compared to, say, like doing a uh, writing a screenplay or writing a play or doing or as you say, writing uh, longer prose?
1: I think part of it is just reading comics which really i took a long break you know right. i i stopped reading comics for a very long time but i think being saturated and mostly the sci-fi the mutants the fantastical fantastical of comics right. i think just that in itself makes it easier where i wasn't a big sci-fi reader it was more right. literary fiction right so this is where you must read right if you want to become better in your craft um so i i, I definitely think that has a lot to do with it i think that um visually it just comes easier to me sci-fi and comics and 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 i we talked about this in the in in the last show i don't have the burden of having to build everything Mm. on my own right right? i i have the beauty of a of of an illustrator perhaps a colorist perhaps a letterer you know perhaps an editor you have a whole team that can help build that world with you and and so i think in that way um it's it it could be a bit easier
0: Right. So I mean, we'll talk about a couple of the other things, but I just, is, do you have, I'll ask, okay, I have, to, I have a, I have a question, but I'm going to, it should be a follow up to my next, my first next question. So.
1: Oh, you're <laughs> acting like me now.
0: I know. <laughs> <laughs> you also are working on, uh, uh, when we talked about this uh, earlier in the year, when you were on that, you had DR 163, your, your webtoon that you, you're working with your, your friend, Aaron Guzman. My cousin. Uh, your cousin. With That's right. Aaron. <laughs> All right. <laughs> my cousin, not my friend. Yeah. <laughs> and so talk to us a bit about that, how that is, And uh, where's my, here it is. I have the page already pulled up for us here. Uh, so this is, I, I was going through this. This is amazing. This is an amazing storyline that you have about a, a doctor and a, um, and there is a sci-fi piece to it as well in this. Definitely. And we, we brushed about it. Do you want to talk more about it for our, maybe our newer sure. viewers and listeners?
1: So DR163 follows a long-lost graffiti artist and a trauma surgeon, um, where in their ma- the magic of their hands turn them into midnight vigilantes. Um, so basically the story explores it's really a play on both graffiti and medical culture and some of the shared terminology that they have um where uh let's say you know bombing bombing as in war bombing uh can mean you know you bombed up a subway card you put like graffiti on it right Mm -hmm. um pieces you know the uh the works of art uh, did you do a piece? Did you do an art? But body parts, pieces, right? So right. it deals with these two very hurt characters. Um, one, the doctor dealing with PTSD as being a military trauma surgeon uh, who served in a war. And then also um, the graffiti artist who does not have proper access to medicine because of pharmaceutical price gouging. So it's very much a social commentary, besides just being awesome art by Aaron Guzman. <laughs> um, <laughs> And awesome graffiti, because Aaron is also a graffiti artist. I will say that. Um, um, besides, besides that, also being a commentary on those um, uh, big life things and how um, these two unlikely characters can find healing and maybe a side of justice. And it, it's totally inspired by the fact that my husband, who is a physician, is obsessed with graffiti. And loves graffiti. Was a fan. I shouldn't say that. That's hard. She's a big fan of graffiti, and um, and graffiti artists. um, If I showed you this room, (laughs) you would think (laughs) it looked like that. Um, And um, is friends with some of them. And one actually said, uh, one artist, like, "Yo, we're gonna take you bombing one night. (laughs) We're gonna teach you how to do it." And you know, my husband's like my my wonderful husband, Clark Kent. No, you're not. (laughs) You're not doing that. But again, this is all speculative fiction. What if? Right. What if he did? Now, he is not this character. He's not a trauma surgeon and blah, blah, blah. But I just took that little bit of, well, what if he did?
0: Right.
1: He's two very unlikely characters. Um, And then you get the story. So yeah, we did it on uh, uh, part of Webtoons contest. We couldn't get the last episode in on time to meet the deadline for judging, but Aaron and I wanted to make sure we had it finished because this was a warm-up for a, a business card of look what we can do. Um, mm. and uh, a warm-up because we've really I got into comics because Aaron and I are supposed to be working on and I are supposed to be working on this epic graphic novel together, which is totally outlined first script. But Aaron, being very wise, said, let's do our own things, build up to that, get some mm. experience, and then start working on it. And that's part of what DR163 is. But we're actually, I delivered script uh, for episode one of season two. And we looks like we're going to actually kickstart that for print as soon so, as we finished with his mini comic bundles.
0: So right here you have episodes one through four. So, right. mm-hmm. so these are, you're, you're kind of like, as you say, you're kind of like creating this as like a television setup. So you have different episodes and then how big is the season going to be?
1: Yeah. So this one, the, the second one, um, and I'll, I'll make a note on vertical scrolling. So the second one will probably be three episodes as well. Okay. Um, actually, wait, I, I should clarify. We would probably call them issues because Aaron okay. and I are still talking about this. It's going to be print. So okay. those would probably, they would, it's going to be print It'd follow more of the standard comic book, you know, issue one, issue two, issue three, or I don't know if we would call it issue five, six, and seven. I don't know, Barney, we got to work that out. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but the idea is we, we kind of want print, you know, we kind of want something we can touch right. for this. Um, I'm open, you know, if, if we're doing three seasons at least, um. To having different formats for each although what do you do beyond digital and paper maybe it'll be some cool new thing invented maybe we have holograms by then um <laughs> mm-hmm. but um i i have to say i'm gonna have a hard time giving up the vertical scrolling for dr 163 because i loved it right. i'm not a digital comics person at all like i'll support it i'm in digital anthologies i will force myself to open up pdfs um and read for pleasure, but I'm so much of a paper person, but vertical scrolling is totally different because to me it follows the addictive path of social media. (laughs) And it's just so fun. I found it to be so much fun um, to write for, because it's just, if you keep, if you go through webtoons and this is how I, I, you know, modeled mine off of, it's just an eye tease. It's an eye tease of what's next and dripping of one panel into the next. And your senses are not, looking at a page layout and you're kind of hit with kind of everything you know your eye kind of catches what's going to happen next whereas this is just the slow reveal, slow right. reveal um yeah. so you know maybe we'll have different um tiers where if we can raise x amount that would allow aaron to also then format it for a digital scroll i'm sure aaron is yelling at me right now if he's listening <laughs> Because <laughs> as a writer, I could put out ideas quick, but I do recognize that illustrations take longer. Um, But we're 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 definitely committed. the The seasons are already outlined. Um, it's it's just a matter of getting the art done and coming up with like how are we going to do this. But we, hmm. we kind of feel it is print.
0: It reminds me that there, there's a uh, analog digital scroll as the way to do that. They had. Do you? I don't know. It's. I remember when I was a kid. There was a. The, that we were able to get this to make your own homemade TV with taping comic strips together. And what you did is that you made a box, like a shoebox, and you took two pencils in there and you took the whole comic book and you kind of like taped them all and then make them. And
1: yeah, and no. I, I, yeah. I know what you're talking about. I, my memory is when we had the printers with those little holes. Right. And then to get the punchline of a joke my dad would print it out and it becomes this long picture, was really <laughs> <funny>. <laughs> but it, be, it was like this long picture. You have to wait for the whole freaking thing to print out. Right. I don't know if that's the same thing, but that's yeah. my
0: memory. <laughs> I wonder if there's a way, cause I, you're right. Cause the vertical scroll of this actually does, it, it is different. It's almost, it, it gives you that ability to, as you, as you say, it's almost scene by scene.
1: Yeah, and particularly for this, when I wrote the script, what I said to Aaron is that I want the to establish that this is the perspective from DR163, Dr. Dr. Cave. Yeah. and I want a, like a first-person active shooter kind of look, and I think the illustrator equivalent is the fisheye lens. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wanted you to inhabit his trauma. Um, I wanted you to understand that he sees everyone as a threat, Like if, like in the beginning when the woman is about to scan his ID. We don't know if she's pulling a gun on us or not because that's what he thinks. Right. And I feel like the vertical scroll allowed us co- cause that to create that mood. And Aaron okay. did an outstanding job with it.
0: And so what was the, from from the storytelling perspective, once he sees the graffiti, you, it pulls away and you don't, it's not, it becomes third person.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah. So we, we definitely at some times are him and then we pull out. Hmm. Um, and we're no longer him yes that's a good point
0: so what was that what was the um uh, from from your writing pers- your storytelling perspective what was the what was the reasoning behind that not just to keeping it either first person all the time or third person all the time um
1: I, I think just to to not keep us totally trapped in dr Cave to allow okay. us to sort of step out I mean it's I think what um it, it's probably closest to, um, no, I can't say it's not third person limited because it is, he's talking in the first person. Um, just totally not, uh, we, we probably wouldn't see, and I don't think we see, we don't see legend unless Dr. Kabe's there. So there's certain things that, and I'm sure there's a terminology in writing for this, where you're not going to see things where Dr. Kabe's not around, mm. but I'm not going to make the art totally, um, restrictive to his eyes.
0: Okay. So yep. I guess
1: that's the difference, right? So it, it's. Because it's illustrations versus prose, I can pull out and allow you to see him, but not necessarily showing you things that he's not in the same room for. And I right. say that and watch somebody call me out that I,
0: <laughs> <laughs> that I
1: I messed that up. But I think that was my logic. <laughs> not totally faithful to the first person, but the <laughs> mood, the mood is.
0: The mood is. Yeah. And but you said earlier, so you're looking at doing your, as you said, you're going to do a Kickstarter with this?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm thinking about it. I mean, I have to say that, you know, I'm, I'm, the things we want to do, we're going to do anyway. Right? right. And I really wasn't planning on asking for money for these things, but, you know, I've become wiser to understand what Kickstarters are, that it's community, that you're not paying for the product, you're supporting the artists and, you know, even the creators. And even if let's say I'm okay with doing this and just, you know, printing it, the, the, the team that spends more time on it might not be right. Right. (laughs) Particularly, uh, illustrators that take, um, you know, it's just a matter of, of a lot more work. So, um, could we put it free? Like we did on, on webtoons we could, but I I just feel like it's such a great story that a, you know, Aaron's time is valuable. He has a lot of other projects too. My Hmm. time is valuable that, I think for the second season, now that you guys, everyone's got a teaser for what the first one is. um, I think it just makes more sense if we're going to do that. I know Aaron had some other ideas too. um, uh, Whether it's a, uh, he's not using Patreon, but a subscriber only um, for his website would have access. You know, these are things we're open to, but I think we were in the end leaning towards a Kickstarter um, of some sort. Um, Particularly if it's print, you know, it's one thing. To, to devote X amount of hours to illustrate it. But then when you're talking about paying for printing materials and all that, it's a, it's a, a game changer.
0: Right. And so my question I was going to ask you earlier, you segued in and I wanted to segue in through talking about DR 163 is your, what's your big, what, what's your big project? And you kind of said that, you know, you and your cousin were kind of doing this just to kind of get the momentum going, uh so what
1: uh that's not my big project. See that, I have lots of projects. You
0: got me. lots of projects. Do you have like a, your big world building, like a big
1: yeah, a so big
0: world building project? All
1: right, so the one that Aaron and I um will eventually get to
0: right. um
1: definitely is this epic world building historical blah blah. Have me on the show another time. Um <laughs> project that we definitely want to keep creator owned right um and and a lot of this has to do is where do my stories come from right so if it's something that is really coming from the heart now i kind of want to keep it creator owned right Mm -hmm. but if it's something that an editor just said one simple sentence to me um i think you should write this right that's it just and I create something because of that, I feel less attached to it because this was not part of my grand plan to take over the world (laughs) in prose and comics. And I feel more detached. So I do have a a graphic novel on sub via my agent that Mm -hmm. is totally outlined. First chapter, Aaron did the concept art. It doesn't have an illustrator match to it yet. I was leaving that open to the publisher. So I have that that I spent a year last year um, doing the world building and research on, on that one, right? So there's that one. There's the Aaron one. These are all things literally tucked in boxes on my on, under my bed. <laughs> and I'm actually excited. And Aaron nudged me on this. Um, and this is a pattern in me. Like I, if an editor nudges me, like Alex uh, Hernandez, uh, one of the editors of speculative fiction for dreamers. He just happened to send me a call for submissions for a comic. And yes, Aaron had been telling me free yourself of traditional publishing and expectations, forget it. Uh, Let's do comics. And, you know, I wanted to do it, but it's also my cousin saying it. Um, But it, it took then another nudge from Alex sending me just this simple. And he was a big fan of Gene in the anthology. And I was like, yeah, I should do, I should do comics. And um, that kind of snowballed, you know, all these ideas. So all all the comics, and and it actually was like, you know what, I am going to submit something. I am going to actually write a script for Aaron, who at that point had just been interpreting my prose. And that's probably why we didn't go as far, because it's a different art to interpret someone's prose and put it to comics. That's totally putting a lot of the work on, on Aaron. So Aaron, um, Really, it's like, you know, you need to do an anthology with your collected works, Um, graphic, graphic prose, uh, prose and comics. Mm. So on top of all of this other stuff, and this is kind of the benefit of being a writer, I can deliver a script and then move to the next thing while the illustrator does it. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm working on an anthology that I am going to kickstart that ha- does have a, a collection of of my works. Um, and it's titled Event Horizons, Stories of No Turning Back. Okay. And yes, its theme is outer space. Um, <laughs> you're going to have me back, Barney, because we got to talk <laughs> about that Kickstarter, and then the season two for DR163, and who knows what else. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so... And so, because so, I guess my question to you, with with this, as you're as you're talking about, is like, where do you see, where do you see the um, the the community of 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 these independent creators? Where do you see this? Where where do you see the direction going?
1: For the community of of comic
0: creators and like the the groups you're part of,
1: their futures. I mean, I have my foot in so many (laughs) different communities, but. I think that Kickstarter and creator Own is just going to keep getting stronger and stronger, particularly mm-hmm. for um, uh, marginalized voices, mm-hmm. for um, BIPOC creators, where it's harder to get your foot in the door um, of traditional publishing. So I think you're going to probably see a lot of people, and you've seen this even with traditional publishers are starting to use Kickstarter. Right. The, the smaller indie presses are kind of catching on that you can do pre-orders, you can create a market, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I definitely think that we'll find more of us there. Um, And yeah, beyond that, you know, I have no idea. It looks like we don't have paper to print anymore in the world or whatever is going on in the supply chain. Um, (laughs) It's so hard to predict. Um, It's so hard to predict.
0: And do you see, like, for instance, you're part of – um, you're, you're on the board of the reviewing submissions for graphic Monday. You're also a volunteer panel reviewer submissions on comics experience. Uh, do you see a lot of, as you said these 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 smaller ones that are more nation specific um, publishing groups or advocacy publishing groups kind of popping up and is is it what would what would be your suggestion? what would be your suggestion to writers and or creators to how to kind of get above the noise because it's, mm-hmm. everybody is able to um, is make something now.
1: Yeah. So, you know, the first thing is, you know, you just, you got to be yourself, right? right. You know, and you got to be sincere, right. We talked about this, about social marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Gamal Hennessy actually had a great interview with uh, writer, Rich Durek, uh, Forgive me if I mispronounce his name. And this question just came up. Um, You know, how do you not (laughs) come across as the salesperson constantly and have genuine relationships? Um, You know, my case is so, knock on wood, (laughs) wildly different in that editors sought sought me out, you Mm. know, or illustrators sought me out. And everything I submit is accepted. Now, I know for anyone rolling your eyes, that's not my life with prose. You know, I've had over 10 years of rejection and two novels uh with with prose so as you roll your eyes it wasn't that's not my exact experience um but in that sense i know that's a little different right but Mm -hmm. how did editors find me be part of community groups Mm -hmm. you know the comics experience is how i met seth and seth and so you're part of a group but then be bold enough to ask people right you maybe you won't ask uh forgive my dated um Okay, I'll say Jim Lee, but you could let's also use uh Fua Richardson, you know, for a contemporary. Maybe you might not ask someone <laughs> as established as that. Um, but someone that's kind of starting out as you, or maybe maybe someone you admire. Mm-hmm. Um, and see if they're up for to working with you, right? So find community, don't be afraid to ask. But before that, and you know, Seth says that be yourself and be nice because you know, Seth didn't ask to work with me. Um only just out of the blue, he saw how I interacted in the forum, that I wasn't, you know, a little loony, that I was very positive. That's important. You got to know who you're working with. Um, <laughs> energetic, maybe, but not not, not dangerous. Um, <laughs> positive energy. And then I, in turn, saw Seth's artwork. I saw that his he had women of color in many of his um Illustrations and that they were done with uh, love and sensitivity. Um, so if you just kind of put yourself out there and be yourself, I'm not saying put everything out for free, but just find your community. You never know who's watching. Mm-hmm. And again, I just have this weird thing in my life where that happens to be not always the case. But I was approached from by Nicole boos in, in Comics Experience, and she's a former editor of Marvel. Um, to be an insider art. And, you know, that's how I met Shelly Bond and Shelly Bond fell in love with my story um, and insider art. And we've been trying to do something together ever since. And, uh, you know, life put some things on hold, um, but, you know, enjoyed that uh, friendship um, uh, over the years. So you just don't, you, you just don't know. Um, if you're doing, I totally lost track of your question, Bernie. So if I'm not answering it, put me back on track.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm just here for the ride stuff. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: if you're trying to do traditional, that's why I like being here. I mean, I could just do that. And you're not going to be like, that wasn't my question, girl. Okay, back to the subject. I even have a paper and pen. I'm like, I'm going to try to write down what he asked me. But I don't remember it By sentence six, I have no idea what you actually asked me. <laughs> If, um, if you, um, another thing, but if you want to do traditional, yes, consider getting an agent. Um, don't make your whole life stay stay on hold because of that, right? Um. But if you are trying to break out in traditional, you might want to try to do the whole query path. And there's so many resources for or having to do that. You're not gonna agents, their agents have not entered the market for like single issues or the smaller things, right? They're, they're the b- bigger money things because they want to make money. But you know, if you want your graphic novel with scholastic, see if you can come up with something that can woo an agent that would actually, you know, um represent you. Mm-hmm. How do you keep making noise? Yeah. I mean, it just comes back to just being yourself. Um, but for in terms of the roles uh, that you mentioned, graphic movie and com- uh, Mundi and comic experience. So I haven't publicly announced it. So thank you for public announcing it because oh, I yeah. wanted to do it, do it here. Um, yeah. So we haven't officially reconvened yet with graphic Mundi, although I've looked at a submission. But it's exciting to again, I. How did I meet Graphic Moondy? Well, first Seth saw a call of submission. Again, you know, domino effect. Let's submit. Let's submit to COVID Chronicles. Um, We did. The story got in in a day. Um, Then I'm like, I want to do a story with Aaron. She didn't say I couldn't submit to. I asked. Can I submit another story? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Is it in? Yeah. Okay, great. I have two stories (laughs) in COVID Chronicles. And... Just being myself, um, and in that case, I happen to have an MPH, a master's in public health. And Graphic Mundi, which is an uh, an imprint of Penn State um, University Press, was merging their graphic medicine section with their their general uh, graphic novel. Um, So I guess you know I can't speak for Kendra, the the editor uh, and publisher, but um, you know just like hopefully pleasant personality, and then topped with the master's in public health, which can help um, have an eye for their, uh, the medical aspects of their graphic novels. It just worked out that I was offered a seat on the board and I look forward to looking um, at both adult and young adult graphic novel submissions that come Kendra's way along with other board members to give our recommendations for publications. And for comics experience, um, I think it's very much, if to paraphrase uh, Andy Schmidt, um, very much my different taste in comics, because um, I think the comics that are on there are kind of uh, th- that are often workshops are not necessarily things I read or write, but um, I can I definitely enjoy. But I go to a lot of smaller conventions, uh, having the parent librarian, again, a volunteer, I volunteer at my kid's uh, library and people said, don't do that why are you going to do that for free? Why are you going to, you could be writing. Well, I love books. Uh, I love my kids. <laughs> I like, um, the, the fact they have no librarian. So if I don't do it, you know, um, but I knew it would give me exposure and understanding of book marketing, how to write newsletters, how to get people excited. Um, you know, how you see me on social media is how I am on my newsletters. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I get to shop for books, man. I get to spend money, other people's money. I'm, I'm in for that. Um, but you know, putting all that together, and the reason why I did go to a lot of these indie uh, conventions and all that was to buy special books for the library that you're not gonna find through a conventional um, vendor. So that being myself and having to be in the community, people then approached me and said, I kinda like what you're doing, it's different. Can you contribute to this? Right. Um, so in the same manner though, as a volunteer panel, different title, um, I, and, and I've, I've, you know, we went through one cycle, we just got a new cycle of, of submissions. I look very much forward to giving my own background and my own perspective and my own recommendations to a panel so that the publishers make an informed decision.
0: Right. And so, uh, so you, you did, you did answer the questions. So it's that's
1: good. good. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever that question was, because I have no <laughs> idea what it was, but I answered it.
0: Um, where do you see, because you mentioned like the graphics medicine, that seems that's popping up more and more over the year. Do you see that's going to be a, a, a growing, um, a, a growing genre of, of comics?
1: Yeah, I, I do. Simply because graphic novels, period, is. Um, I think as a society, um, we're totally, totally um, moving more and more to images as we do social media. There's actually a good book. See, I'm a good librarian. I'm going to look for it. It's called The Alphabet Versus the Goddess. Okay, this is a really good book. The Alphabet, my dad recommended this to me. The um, Alphabet Versus uh, the Goddess, The Conflict Between Word and Image.
0: Okay. And I
1: think we're in the image era of the image era, where image is supreme. Good book. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: I think we're going to see this more and more as we become a more visual society. And then, you know, we have holograms and all the cool Blade Runner stuff that I'm waiting for. Not <laughs> the killing robots or anything like that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> So I I definitely think that then it'd be logical that the market for graphic medicine um, uh, will continue to continue to grow because that because people tastes tastes have expanded right comic books are not just for kids anymore they're not the uh, you know the, the low life or lowly or whatever it was in the fifties um, uh, right. that, that people thought and you know they do it the graphic moonies. I just read their Hakim's Odyssey. Um, from Syria to Turkey, uh, A Refugee's Journey. Um, it's a three-part uh, book. Um, they, they're just printing such interesting things. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes they're French translations that they reprint in the U.S. Um, but Kendra is very open. People should look at the submission page because it's, it's, it's not restrictive so far. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and they've gotten a lot of attention for some of the books that they've put out so far.
0: And like you mentioned, as you mentioned a couple of times earlier, is that the call for submissions, we might have some writers or, or, or artists listening. It's like, well, where do I find these calls of submissions? Is there, a, is there a, a central source or is there a place? Where would be your recommendation to say for have people to find these calls of submissions?
1: So find your community, right? Your mm-hmm. community forum, whether it's Comics Experience, whether it's Kids Comics Unite, uh, uh, a literary agent, Jana. Oh, Jana, I'm messing up your last name. M. Um. Mm-hmm. Um. Yep. Yeah, there. Okay. Maybe Christian can help me remember uh, <laughs> what uh, Jana's last name is. But Kids Comics Unite um, is another group. There's so many women in comics. Find your thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Find what works for you. Gamal Hennessy has the Comic Comic Publishing Institute, more of the legal side. And there's usually forums within that um like comics experience for example that's where seth found you know there's one, usually one or two members that that's their thing they like putting you know hey this submission this submission so sometimes there are people doing the work for you if you happen to be part of that community right. um some of the some of them are free some of them are not um um and if that doesn't work for you man go on social media twitter thank you Jonna um Morishima. I, I think is how you see your last name I, hi jonah yeah, Patrick's
0: um, also yeah.
1: Oh, Patrick, you're <laughs> here.
0: Yeah,
1: Patrick, you gotta have Patrick on. We can talk. We, can have- we
0: do. We got. I got him scheduled. I think for February, right, Patrick? Oh, I think. Okay, he cool. Yeah.
1: Oh, I look yeah. forward to that. Um, see, Barney, what was the question, man? What we? Oh, find your community. Yeah. So, social media, Twitter. People are always posting on Twitter. Call for submissions. So, okay, how do you find those? Start following comic writers and illustrators and editors um and the ball will just keep rolling um, right. on those things.
0: Right. Yeah, Patrick says community. That's there you go.
1: Thank you. You could have saved me a lot of time, Patrick. I was <laughs> 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 just typing that earlier.
0: <laughs> so Stephanie, we're 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 knocking on the the hour mark here. So, what is So, where can people find you? They can go it's your is it your 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 main website uh, Stephanie Nina Pizzarillos, Pizzarillos. right.
1: But if that's too long, (laughs) Um, I'm the Nina Galaxy on that linked tree thing, whatever that thing is that Seth Uh, Okay, you know what I'm talking about. The Nina Galaxy. I'm the Nina Galaxy, or as Patrick says, then in a galaxy until we... (laughs) My middle name, Nina, Uh, on Instagram, the Nina Galaxy. Um, Oh, Barney, I usually have a little card with this written so that I could show you. See, I, I didn't come totally prepared um and twitter i'm actually zoe health z-o-e health and that's when i opened a twitter account because i thought i was going to use it for my public health consulting um and instead i decided it's better to be a writer (laughs) and a comic book head and a librarian and all those things um but yes i'm very active in social media
0: right perfect well once again stephanie you gotta you gotta come back on you gotta come back on and uh um and you know, promote your, your next books. Look at that. Yes. And, and, and once again, thank you so much, Stephanie. This has been a, it's a genuine pleasure spending, uh, spending the hour with you and uh, look forward to talking to you again.
1: Definitely, Barney. Thank you.
0: God, then look at this. You 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 up you upped your game in your background. I'm, I'm going to be like staring at all of your background stuff. This you know. is at
1: necessity in a new place. It doesn't yeah. have uh, <laughs> a nice, very minimalistic. Uh, I think it's Tito Puente. He's over here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you don't have to see my whole life crammed in one my childhood bedroom.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh,
1: so something different. Maybe I'll be in a different room next time.
0: <laughs> yeah, and th- th- is that a classic X Men uh, review? Yeah. Um, so X Men we classic, it. right? Yeah. yeah,
1: Dark Phoenix saga. Um, oh yeah. So I gotta say, uh, this you know, this is where you, you trip. Okay, so I'm all about X Men 137. I don't know if you could see part I of see it that. There, that's that's the comic for me, yeah. right? The one that Gene is is kind of based on. But I don't know, as a kid, if I actually read this one. And this one is 137. If I'm totally going off subject, you know, you could put me in place. But I totally do not remember. And Seth's like, oh, how did you not see that? There's this whole other ending at the end of this after Gene Gray dies. And like, it's in like the chamber of the death of the universe or something, something right. that it, it was like a discovery after 20 years that there was like, uh, it was, it was, it's anyway, it was. And that- I discovered that 20 years after the fact.
0: Well, then you have Alpha Flight. That's issue number two or three? Uh, this or is four.
1: four? This four. is okay, rating your brother's comic book collection when he doesn't pick it up from your parents' house. There you so go. You and-